0: That's the sound, you know what's happening peeps, welcome to another podcast, I'm Kenny Molotov, this is Chronicles of a Plumber, and you know what we're about to do, we're about to bring in the bass, here it goes, there's that kick drum, what's been happening, how you been, how's your week? I skipped over one week since I did this podcast. I did Chronicles of Plumber 25 two weeks ago, but as you can see, I'm trying to keep this going. Let the music cut out. What's happening? Let me grab some water. Today is Friday, March 20, May 24th, 2019. Today is the fourth month official fourth month of my nephew uh he's uh four months old as you got that from the previous statement how you guys been what's been going on i got a bunch to tell you we're gonna pop into the internet in a second and we're gonna talk about what's been happening with me but just so you guys know my name is kenny molotov i'm a professional magician i'm a plumbing youtuber uh and i also do this podcast usually about once a week if uh If time allows Um, everything is down in the description below if you want to check me out there you could check out my plumbing vlog channel Uh, you can check out this was Chronicles of a Plumber on YouTube and also on a couple of different platforms you can find my magic channel as well and I also do a little bit of music because I'm trying to get myself in that game as well but let's pop over to the internet real quick just so you can see anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov if you go to that website you're able to find me there. Uh, That is my Anchor profile, but you can actually see my podcast and get my podcast on a a bunch of different platforms which Anchor distributes to, which includes Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. You can go to any of those apps right there. You can find me on those. Uh, Download my podcast. You can listen to it during the week while you're driving to work or while you're going to school. Whatever you're doing, you can listen to you there. You can also find this on YouTube at Chronicles of a Plumber, which is solely my plumbing podcast channel. Let's jump over to the, the vlog channel. We're sitting at 2,677 subs. Really excited for that. We're almost at the 3,000 mark, which I'm, man, it's been taking quite a long time to get there, but I'm really happy where we're going. Uh, I also brought out eight weeks of advanced plumbing school, uh, week seven. I brought that out last week. We'll be watching a little preview of it a bit later. If you haven't checked that out, check that out whenever you get a chance. On the Chronicles of a Plumber channel, we got 32 subs. So we're moving up in this world. Now, I want to talk to you guys about what's been going on with me because this has been a short week for me for two reasons. We just had a long weekend here in Canada, which means that we had an extra day off on the weekend. And the second reason is, is because I officially wrote my second try at the national exam, the certificate of qualification. I wrote it on Tuesday and I got to tell you, it was way better than the first try. I have no idea if I passed as of yet. I think I'm going to get the results as of tomorrow. So I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also really excited. I It felt good, peeps. Honestly, it felt good. I was really devastated the first time I wrote because, you know, when you fail at something, like I was saying in the other podcast, and it's important to you, your demons come out. You start thinking to yourself, man, am I qualified? Am I up to standard? What's been going on, peeps? But uh, getting over that, I ended up sitting down, hunkering down, and and really just spending a lot of time studying, which is why the podcasts haven't been so frequent. Same with the vlogs. As soon as I got out of school and I got off of the vacation mode, I was trying to keep the uploads going. But, man, you really need to put as much time as possible in the studying of this test. As I was telling you all before in, in Chronicles of Plumber 25, The test is not easy whatsoever. There are – the scope is the difficulty. It's got such a wide scope. It picks up on so many different subjects that at some point you're sort of behind if you're not – if you don't have a good grasp of all of them, including safety, including hydronic heating, including uh, uh, specialized systems like – uh, rural plumbing systems including septic tanks and uh, wells etc including um, oh man compressed air I don't I, I got a bunch of questions on compressed air this 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 week as well and man I'm I got my fingers crossed on that but I do have a couple of funny stories for you all about the exam because I, I there were a couple of really interesting questions uh, and they were questions I had in the past but I wasn't able to actually answer them so on the national exam, the first thing you got to know is you go into this small room where a bunch of different trades are writing, actually. So a bunch of people walk in. Uh, the very first time uh, I went into the room, uh, the first time I wrote, we had a few hairdressers in there writing for that trade. We had a bunch of electricians. We had a, a bunch of um, – they called them just construction uh, uh Dudes, some crane operators, like everybody's in there because we have a lot of trades in Canada that are regulated. So I walked in this week and it's just getting to that point in the weather where it's actually getting warm, which is a blessing, blessing. But uh, the, where it is in regards to the heating season is that people still have their heating on. So I walk in, I sit down, and they put me right up against the window which was really nice, man. It was a sunny day, so, you know, when I over-focused and my eyes got tired, I could look outside and sort of adjust my eyes, let them rest for a bit, but peeps... That sun was blasting through this window on me, and I was heating up. But not only that, there was a baseboard heater right by my leg just cooking me up. So I don't know, I don't know what they were thinking, but I imagine they thought I was really nervous because I was sweating buckets, peeps. I was trying to get through, and I'm just really happy I wasn't as stressed out as I was the first time. I was so stressed out, and here's, here's one of the stories I wanted to tell you. I was so stressed out that when I'd come to a page with a diagram, I would become overwhelmed very quickly to the point where I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to leave it to the end. And I have a little bit of a kind of an embarrassing story, but not not really. I mean, it really just comes down to the nerves of it. The very first time I walked in and I wrote this exam, I was nervous for a number of reasons, right? Like you, you sort of want to get... get you sort of want to get this all done on the first shot. That that would be a blessing, right? And you sort of studied as hard as you could to do that. Um, but also the whole process of going there, not really knowing how regulated everything is. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of rules that you have to abide by. And there are some really stringent rules. Like they were saying that if you mark up your book, even if you're not writing a, an answer, if you mark it up and they notice that you're marking it up, Uh, they can actually fine you, first of all, and also suspend you from writing for a good duration of time. So you sort of go in there, you're already nervous, then they throw these rules at you, and you're like, oh, man, okay, I really got to be on my game which means that when you're reading with your finger, make sure you're not holding a pencil in your hand like so because you can mark it up, you know what I'm saying? And I had an invigilator walk around kind of eye me because that's how I was reading. I was reading it with a pen in my hand or a pencil in my hand like this. I was reading through and, you know, she was making sure I wasn't marking things up. So that's that's on top of that. So the entire process is a little bit anxiety-filled, right? So here's the story. Fortunately, this time I, I I went through the process. I knew the building. I even knew the invigilators going in because I seen both the people before. So it was it was sort of like I already did this once. I feel way more comfortable. So you get a good portion of the nerves out of the way the second time you walk in. And I walk in, and one of the questions on the test was a engineering drawing, engineer drawing of. A potable water system coming into a hot water tank and coming out of a hot water tank. And here's the embarrassing part of it. The question was, um, what size T's are you going to have to go to the supplier and ask for? So it's a fairly simple question. But the first time I was doing the exam, I looked at it and I kind of Just got really nervous and I was like, okay, I can't, I can't hand, I couldn't hunker down to really pay attention to the question and really pay attention to what was going on on the picture. And when I looked at the answer, I saw ABCD and it's all fittings. It's one inch by inch and a half by inch and a quarter, one inch by two inch by inch and a quarter, whatever. You know, I'm making fittings up right now, but that's all it said. So it was not only that I had a drawing that I also looked at the answers and the answers were a bunch of numbers and I was already stressed out and I couldn't really just sit down and pay attention so I moved on. But here's what I did this time. I actually stopped myself from moving on and I said, no, I'm going to spend three minutes doing this. And what's so silly about it is that you literally, all you have to do is look at, look at the drawing and find all three Ts that they're talking about and right on the paper, it'll say on one side of the T, what the size is on the other side of the T, what the size in is and then in the center what the size is you got to look for it a little bit because the sizes were really small but all you have to do is find those sizes write them down in the correct order meaning there's a specific way we talk about t's as as a fitting we normally go end to end to center you go uh Inch and a half all around, or you go inch and a half by inch and a half by inch and a quarter, or whatever. So, you had to do that. Just write them down in the exact order, then look at the answers, and it's right there. So, literally, it was just such a simple question, but because there was so much anxiety going into it, I really couldn't just focus on what I had to do. And then, when I went back to the question the very first time I wrote, I was so tired at that point that again, I couldn't really just pay attention. So, the second time around, I did this question, and I was like, man, I lost a mark in the last one for no bloody reason. So that was a good thing. I surpassed that anxiety level this time, and I pushed forward. Um, I saw a lot more questions that I knew the answer to, a lot. And I'm really proud about that because in the midst of this second prep, I ended up switching my style Altogether. Normally, uh, the way I studied for this, or I, I at least uh, started to study for it, was I was using cue cards. On the front of the cue card was the question, on the back was the answer sort of thing. But I came to realize, you know what, and I kind of did this haphazardly. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but I kind of did this nonchalantly. <laughs> I just grabbed a test, we have these practice exams. I just grabbed a practice exam and I said, you know what, I don't feel like doing cue cards today. I'm just gonna go through the test and write the answers down. And you literally just do one, whatever the answer is. But I realized that this was the appropriate method to actually study for it because not only are you doing the questions that I had on cue cards, but now you're doing it in the exact same format that they're going to be doing on the test. I thought it was more beneficial to go off the cue card because you would – off the cue card, you go directly to the answer, meaning that you don't have four answers there. You need to know the exact answer. I thought this was going to be the appropriate method to, to study for this test, and it was helpful. But what I realized is by doing it in the, actu- the method using the tests is that the one thing I now can practice at – is narrowing down the answers. And that is an entirely different skill set that you need to procure when you're doing multiple choice questions. So without even realizing it, I realized to myself, holy crap, like this is actually the better way of doing it because of that one skill set. And here's a funny story, a couple of interesting stories that happened during the exam. I ran into issues where I didn't understand a couple of words um, there was a question that it was another engineer drawing, but all the fittings, I'm pretty sure, were Victolic. Or it was like really large diameter threaded pieces. We're talking about like 8-inch threaded pipe, basically. And I've never worked with this sort of uh, material. What they had was this special flange thing. And I only think I worked on this sort of thing Once, once, but the word was concentric, and then there was another word that was eccentric. Now, I have never heard of these words before in my life. I think once Dad said to me concentric, and I I couldn't remember for the life of me what the answer to this, what the definition was. So, as I looked at all the answers, two of the answers had the word concentric, Two of the answers had eccentric, and they were talking about the flange, an eccentric flange or a concentric flange sort of thing. So you know what I did? I got up, and I went to go get the English dictionary because they provide that to you. I got the English dictionary, and I looked these things up. Concentric is defined as the center of this piece is in line in the center, meaning in it does not deviate from center. The centers will line up essentially. Eccentric means that there's a deviation between the centers of the two things. So right off the bat, just by looking up the word concentric, I was able to narrow down the answers down to two because on the drawing, you can tell that it was a concentric flange. The centers were lined up from the flange to the pipe that was uh, going into the fitting. So right away, I was like, okay, this is perfect. And the reason why I bring this story up is because I was practicing narrowing down to – at least two answers when I was practicing for the exam by doing the practice exams. So it was beneficial for me. And the reason why I'm telling you all is because if you're studying for multiple choice and you have practice exams, it is, let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it to do both, I think. Go with the whole... Um, cue card thing because it allows you to narrow down the answer right away you're training that part of your mind but then go back to the multiple choice tests because it'll train you on narrowing down the answers to at least two and then when you narrow it down to two from four you have a 50 50 shot Of getting the right answer if you have to guess you know what I'm saying and that's the best strategy to go by Uh, and I've heard that strategy before that's not my own but that's what I realized when I was doing this prep and that's why when I came to this test it felt way better now I got one more story to tell you before we get into the plumbing aspect of everything and I show you stuff on Instagram and the story is about math on on the plumbing exam Now there's this one question that I've gotten a number of times in my prep, which is you have a wall, a certain length, and your vanities, a certain length, you have six vanities, you have three dual vents. What is the size of the gaps? Oh, no, no. They want to know the center to center measurement of the dual vents when all the vanities are spaced out along the wall in equal spaces. Okay. I know that was a mouthful. And I know how to do this answer very quickly. Here's where it gets interesting on the national exam. And this happened the first time. And I was going to prep for it. And then I forgot to prep for it. And then it happened on the second exam. And it smacked me across the face. And I figured it out on the second exam, I think. This is the question now on the national exam with a small little variation. So they still want to know the center-to-center length center-to-center measurement of the dual vents. They still want to know what's the distance between them. However, on the two ends where there are spaces, from the furthest vanity on the right to the wall, and then from the furthest vanity on the left to the wall, that space is half the size of the space Between the vanities. Does that make sense? So you have six vanities lined up. They're equally spaced between each other. But the vanity on the right. All the way on the right. Has a space between it and the wall on its right. Which is half the size. As the spaces of the. uh, Of the space between the vanities. And the same thing goes for. The vanity to the wall on the left. So. On the exam. Peeps. I, the first one, I fought with this question for like 15 minutes. And for those of you that know these sorts of exams, you are not supposed to fight with any question for 15 minutes unless it's your final question. And what I ended up doing was I fought for 15 minutes, didn't figure out the answer. And then I went back to it at the end of the exam and I fought with it for another like five minutes. So it was a tough question for me because it was so close. Like, I I understood the mechanics of figuring it out. I just couldn't write it down. And I was trying to do some bloody algebra stuff here. I was trying to make a formula that would fit what I need. So essentially, what I wanted to do was I put the letter X for the spaces between the vanities. They're all the same size. And then... I multiplied that by f- – uh, you have five spaces between the the, vi- the vanities. And then what I wanted to do was take the two spaces on the sides and then make it 2x because you have two of these spaces divided by two. Now, this doesn't work for anybody that has even a little inclining of math. That doesn't work because you have the same – number on the numerator and the denominator they cancel each other out so i i'm telling you i was fighting forever um to figure this out on the first one and i ended up having to just choose an answer i guessed even though it was so close but i figured it out on this one and here's what i just want to explain to you before we get into the plumbing of the week here's how i figured it out It slapped me across the face because I tried doing the exact same thing this time. I tried doing an equation that would make it work out to the distance of the wall. And instead, what I realized, damn it, you have seven spaces altogether. The space all the way on the left, which is a wall to vanity, and the space all the way out to the right, which is wall to vanity, and then five spaces between the six vanities. So you have seven spaces altogether. The space on the left on the left, is half the size as the space in between the vanities. The space on the right is half the size as the space in between the vanities. If you take those half-size spaces and you put them together, you have one entire space. It will account for the exact same size as what's in between the vanities. So as when I realized that, I said to myself, all I have to do now is essentially divide. Instead of by seven, I have to now divide by six and I will account for the entire wall and all the spaces in the wall. And when I did that, as soon as I did that, I found the answer and it was good to go. And I was super proud of myself for figuring that out. And then what's interesting is that later on in the exam, they came to another question with the exact same setup. You had uh, six Six units of whatever, I don't remember what they were being wall mounted, and then the spaces on the sides were half the size as the spaces in the center. So, with this one question, I lost two marks last week, uh, last time I wrote because there were two questions about it. With this one um, version of a question, I lost two, and I'm pretty sure this time I got both of the answers, which was a blessing. I was really happy about that. Um, but man, I got lucky, peeps. I just kind of figured it out halfway through, and I was like, whoa, oh, I got it. It's one full space. So anyways, I'm sorry if that was super dull, but it was like a, a small little victory where I handed in my test, and I was like, okay, even if I fail, I got that question, and I know it. Um, but there were still a bunch of questions on hydronic heating. I had a tough time with Uh, better than last time though I knew a lot more answers than last time but I still had some tough uh, tough situations with it and then I had questions on compressed gas compressed air sorry Uh, man I'm telling you I looked up compressed air and compressed air systems in the booklets that we got from school and there's not a lot of information on them so I did my best with it, and like I said, it felt better than last time. We'll see how it goes. That's all I can say. We'll figure out if uh, it was enough. and If it was, thank goodness. If it wasn't, look, we're just in a better position to do better next time, and we'll just continue the course that that we're currently at. That's it. That's it, peeps. Thank you for listening to me about that. Let's jump into Instagram. I'll show you what's been up, and we're going to start with me showing you guys what the last podcast was uh, sorry what the last video on the vlog channel was this is a bit of a teaser enjoy peeps good morning and welcome to another vlog we are currently sitting at week seven Seven, it started to get a little bit hectic in regards to the things that we needed to get done. So, so once that was handed in, the next thing that you ought to know is that we ended up doing the backflow test. That eight, I passed the course and then I passed the practical, which we did in week eight. I put the pressure on and I did do a lot of studying for it. And fortunately, I did pass. And now that I have my certification, Dad can send me. Anno Domini Beats, if you like that song, go on to YouTube, uh, go to Create, and look up Anno Domini Beats. Whoever Anno Domini Beats is, they make some mean tunes, bro. So check out that beat there for sure. Um, That was the last uh, video that I had uploaded. Now that uh, the national exam was over on Tuesday for me, I was able to actually take the rest of the week off in regards to studying, obviously, because I don't have much to study right now. We'll see how the results go, uh, which was a blessing. Because I am tired of going to Tim Hortons right after work, and I was doing it for the past three three weeks, and before that, I was doing it for another three weeks because that's when I wrote the first time. So I've been studying for probably about two months now. Honestly, it's been it's been a mission. Oh man, I hope I pass, peeps. So this week I was able to um, sit down, relax, and then set up this podcast and whatnot. So. Really happy about that, let me show you some stuff we've been up to in the past two weeks uh with work we have ourselves a shower a mowing remodeling plate that we did here here's a really old shower. this customer that we uh, that I, ta- I probably see him once a year. I usually do his hose bib his if his hose bip's a problem um, but he's a good cat. He calls me at least once a year to to check in and uh see if I can help him out and I get to this faucet right here peeps this faucet is legitimately 30 35 years old okay so i get to it i don't even remember the name and the guy was telling me that he had an issue with the diverter and i'm thinking to myself okay it's cool all i have to do is uh grab another spout for for the shower switch out the spout because he also explained that he has a diverter in the center and if you look at this picture right here it's a shower control valve with two levers, one on the left, one on the right. In the center is a third lever to divert the water either to the toe test or spout or to the shower head above. And he was saying, you know, he's cranking this thing, and it's not working. So I get there, and I see... This faucet here, and I've never seen this faucet before. We've dealt with faucets like this in the past. Uh, it was a common style at one point, and I'm pretty sure you could still find faucets like this with diverters in the center. But I find that people, I, I don't, I find that the, at least the customers I'm working with don't typically buy them like this. So I thought to myself, coming in, you know what, I'll just bring a new spout and the spout will have its own diverter that's the kind of spout I'll bring and that way we can just forget about the uh, center lever converter and he could just crank the spout and and have water come out of the shower head so i get there and the first thing i see is this this spout right here the the one that's original and if you look at it it's got a fat stem boy and then it tapers off to this little, nice little elegant kind of gooseneck thing pointing down like a spout would, but it's thin. And then I realized, man, this is actually, this isn't like an Allen key connection. This is a threaded connection back here. That was first of all. So I thought to myself, back there behind this spout, what this spout is actually mounted on or threaded on is a, it's a steel pipe nipple. It's a nipple in there. So this, the spout that I brought is intended to go over copper pipe. It ain't going to happen. I, gotta, I have to convert it. I have to find an MIP, first of all, uh, to thread into the FIP inside the wall, etc. Like all I'm trying to say is it gets complicated a little bit. And then I look at the middle diverter and I realize, man, this diverter is like like I'm turning it, but water's not coming out of the head And I'm like, it doesn't feel like it's catching. I think that's the problem. So anyways... I take out this center uh, handle on the diverter, and I realize that it's not the intended diverter handle. And right away when I said that, the customer was like, yeah, you're right. I actually switched this out about six months ago. He said the original handle, something happened to it, and it essentially wasn't – you weren't able to use it. So he put this makeshift handle in there and uh, he was using it for a while. But here's the thing. Here's what ended up happening. The cartridge, which does the diverting, had this little knob that stuck out, and it did go into this knob-like portion of this new handle, but it was too small for it. So yes, you can turn it, but at some point it it almost stripped it, kind of like you would strip a, a screw if you didn't have the right bit in it. It stripped it, but not only did it start stripping it, it ended up cracking it uh, because of the, the tension during the torsion of this. So the knob on the cartridge itself that did the diverting was done. It was broken. And I turned to the owner. I go, look, this, this is done. Like you're looking at a broken diverter. So anyways, I'm starting to think about what what are my options here? What can I do? So I call Dad up. I go, Dad, have you seen this faucet? And I take a picture of it and I show it. And he goes, yeah, man, I saw this 35 years ago, he goes. So in other words, he was like, look, I don't think there's much you can do. And I was I was explaining to him what my plan was. I was just going to put a, um, a copper... Uh, not a copper, just just a regular spout that normally goes over a copper pipe, and he goes, yeah, you, I mean, you got a nipple nipple in there, you got you got a steel pipe in there, so he goes, that's not really gonna work in your benefit. It's I it might be galvanized steel or bronze inside. Excuse me. So I go, what are our options? And that goes, look, honestly, this faucet is thirty thirty five years old. Just tell them it's it's time. Just tell him it's time. So I turned to the owner and I, I basically talked to him about what we can do. Which was look, your best idea right now is, is not to change change the spout or change the diverter. You're 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 the best idea right now is to change the entire cart the shower control valve because it itself is a 30-year-old faucet. That's why you're starting to see issues with it. So the problem is, is like like the real difficulty when you're doing service work is that when you're dealing with old things old things break. You know what I'm saying? And they break when you start tampering with them. That's the worst part. So okay, yeah, I could make I could convert uh, the threaded FIP in there to a copper piece. I can do that. I don't know if it'll fit the hole behind this spout well, but I can do that. And I could put in a new spout. But God forbid, God forbid something breaks in the middle of this because it's an old faucet. Guess whose fault is it? It's The, the owner's going to look at the plumber and go, look, this was working perfectly about an hour ago. So this is on you. Not only that, It's like, what happens if something happens in the next week, next two weeks? They're going to look at you and they're going to be like, look, dude, this was working just fine a a week ago. As soon as you touched it, everything went to crap. And I think that's the most common argument everybody ever has. Sometimes we're working on storm drains, okay? We're snaking storm drains and people start saying a week later, yeah, you know what? As soon as they came in. You know, my toilet hasn't been flushing the same way, bro. This has nothing to do with your toilet. We were snaking a storm drain. What are you talking about, bro? But that's how people are, anyways. Not all people. I'd like to point that out, but some people. So, anyways, I turned to the owner. I said, "Look, bottom line is is that I could probably make it work, but it's so old. It's just in your benefit to change it." And then I started showing him what our 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 other shower control. Um, remodeling plates look like and he goes yeah let's do it man it's time so this is what you're looking at here so this is me disassembling the entire unit and as you see down here this is a steel pipe it's I think it's galvanized steel they also come out with bronze ones right now but it's a nipple okay and it goes into a threaded FIP and this has two threads on the two sides sort of thing so you thread the nipple into the FIP that's in the shower control and then on the exterior of the wall, you now thread the shower spout into this nipple right here. I don't typically like working with these sorts of nipples only because you have two opportunities for this thing to to fail on you. If you do not thread it into the FIP in the wall well enough, it will start leaking behind the wall. That's first and foremost. So more often than not, you're trying to make sure that you thread this thing in before the drywall goes on. The second place it can malfunction on you is outside of the wall, which is the better option because at least you can see it as the plumber who's doing the installation. So, in other words, we, we've dealt with them in the past. I'm sure I'm going to deal with them a million times in the future, but it's something to keep in mind. It's I'm not a big fan of these threaded pieces, but you got to do what you got to do. So, what we ended up doing is like usually before, we get a template just like so. You got to outline the template. You got to get the roto zip You got to cut this bad boy. And this is what it looks like as it, after it's cut. And then once you have the shower control valve there, you have two. No, you're going to have three incisions essentially. One for the hot, one for the cold, and then one for the shower head above. And then once you do that, normally you're able to wiggle it out with the spout um, the spout uh, pipe as well, and then you come to an empty hole, and you just then connect hot, connect cold, connect the shower head, connect the shower spout, and this is what that bad boy looks like. Excuse me, and once you get it here, uh, you're in the home stretch. You put in the new cartridge, you put in the clip to the cartridge, and then you put on this remodeling plate. Normally, when you buy a Moen shower control faucet. Uh, valve it comes with this circular section right here and the handle it's a one-handle lever that starts off at cold and as you continue turning it it continues to add more and more water and it mixes in hot water and cold water and it gets hotter and hotter and hotter Uh, these are posi temp shower cartridges positive temperature control basically means that if somebody were to run the cold water in in a faucet next to you while you're showering, instead of getting scalded by hot, you're going to have both pressures drop so that you still have the same temperature but at a lower pressure. This is a conversation we're gonna have at some point about positive temperature controls, but that was the first job. The second job we did right here, my friends, was a snaking job. Uh, as service plumbers, we get calls about drains all the time, and I had to bring the K50 to this bad boy right here. Uh, it, there's not a lot of action going on here, but this is a kitchen drain. And in a kitchen drain, which is inch and a half, usually here in Ontario, we get the K50. We used to go K39, and I've done this a couple of times earlier on in my apprenticeship. We'd get the K39, which is the handheld, and you just it, you know, you press the button like it's a it's a firearm and it starts spinning the snake and you start sending it in. We did that a few times and we got a few calls back because it's a different size coil. And it also doesn't go as far as the K50 will go because the K50 is the kind of drain machine where you can connect coils and keep sending it if you need to. And the inch and a half drain is perfect for the size of the K50. So at some point, we eventually said, my dad and I, it's not worth it using the K39 for a kitchen stack. If you're using it for a kitchen drain or kitchen stack, go K50. That's the way to go. It does the job much better, and you're doing the same work. You know what I'm saying? Instead of coming back twice and not being able to charge for the second time, do the k 50 one time, and you don't have to come back. So that's what we did here. Threw this bad boy in. I did a nice cleanup job right here. By the way, this Franco right here was not mine. This Franco was already there, and they didn't want to switch it out. So, And this is what it looks like right here. That's it. You see that vortex going down as it's draining. You hear that suction that you know you know the drain is in good shape. Now peeps, I don't know if you guys know Nina's photo of the day, but Nina's photo of the day is somebody I started following and she also follows me back and she has these really cool pictures of like industrial things. If we pop over to her spot right here, like she has really cool mechanical pictures every once in a while of of things on job sites that just look, like it's just drill bits, but I think it looks gorgeous, you know? She's got an eye for this sort of stuff. So the other day I'm doing a bathtub, and I say to myself, you know what, uh, here's just some of the stuff in Nina's photo of the day. Go over and follow her if you like those sorts of pictures as I do. And I say to myself, you know, this uh, TY that I'm looking at here, is like something Nina would actually take a picture of and post. And I was like, and it would look kind of cool. So I took a picture of it, and I gave her a shout-out. Inspired by Nina's photo of the day, I saw this T.Y., I thought it might look cool. So it's just a picture of a T.Y. that a bathtub's going to go on top of. Oh, and by the way, here's the bathtub that I finished today. So check this out. Here's a space for a bathtub in a condo. And as we talked about in the past about condominiums, the difficulty is usually space when you're doing bathtubs in condos because a lot of times you have slabs of cement kind of obstructing both sides of you. Luckily, the slab was on the back wall here. We had drywall on the left, drywall on the right, so it wasn't as difficult. Uh, But I ended up throwing in this bathtub today with Dad. And as soon as we threw in the bathtub, And we secured it and we leveled it. Dad was good to go to the next job site. But um, yeah, short little conversation about this. Uh, I ended up doing the shower control valve as well, which is a Moen. We typically go with Moen. Uh, But this was actually the customer's shower control valve. He had bought it um, when we told him to buy the two bathtubs. And interesting story about this bathtub right here is that uh, he hired us to do two bathtubs. We did the bathtub, one of the bathtubs last week. And when we went to go do the second bathtub, we take off the lid. And all of a sudden, we notice that the second bathtub has a crack in the corner. And this is a really tough situation for a couple of reasons. First of all, when you have a fiberglass, I'm pretty sure it was fiberglass tub, um, and it has a crack in the corner, there's two things that go through my mind. The first thing is, A, I can probably make this watertight. So in other words, like the way the bathtub, this was on the lip of the bathtub, by the way. So I could probably make this watertight in the sense that when they drywall, they're actually going to put the drywall or the cement board over this lip anyways. And then they're going to tile on top of that as well. And that's going to come all the way down to the, to the bottom of the lip of the bathtub, right? So that's, that's the first thing. But... It really comes down to the customer and not the plumber. So what we ended up doing was calling the customer in immediately. We don't want the customer A to think that we were the ones that made the crack and now we're trying to sneak it through, first of all. Second of all, I'm hoping that this crack will be covered by the cement board and by the tile. I'm hoping that it it will. Most likely, but I'm hoping. And if the, the customer notices it, After the cement board and the tile goes in, you're in some trouble. You know what I'm saying? You should have spoken to the customer about this because that's an entirely different issue. We're talking about aesthetics here. And some customers are really nitpicky about aesthetics. And look, they have the right to be. They have a product that they're expecting. That's what they want to go in. Um, So we ended up calling the customer over and... This gentleman is sort of at that point in this job site where he really wants things to hurry up because he's fed up. Um, but and he's not fed up with the plumbers. I mean, there's a few contractors in at the at the same time. and I think most project manager managers realize that the logistics of getting people to get their work done and to get them in, et cetera, is where uh, the patients really is a virtue, is where patience really is a virtue. So, anyways, we, we brought him in, we explained it to him. We said to him, Look, most likely this will not show, and almost for sure we can make it watertight. So, we can put some extra silicone um, and, and maybe put the, the piece that chipped off back or, or whatever. We can make it work, and the, the cement board's gonna go over and the tile, etc. But the biggest concern I have about these sorts of cracks and with cracks in general is that what if they start to extend? You know, kind of like if you've ever seen a crack in a windshield, that thing is going to start moving across the windshield before you know it. It's across the entire darn thing, even though it's a tiny little chip in the top. And I'm worried. Oh, maybe that happens with fiberglass tubs, too. I don't know. I don't, And I don't want to find out. You know what I mean? So that's why we left it up to him. And he actually decided, you know what? Yeah, we're going to swap it out. And that's what he did. And we ended up throwing this bad boy in today. I ended up doing the shower control valve um, today. And, and that was it, peeps. So, uh, peeps, thank you for listening, man. This was my podcast. This was Chronicles of Plumber 26. Um, If you're writing your national exam, I hope you guys have a fantastic time writing it. Uh, Thank you for listening to my writing and and all the drama that I went through for mine. We'll be finding out within the next week whether or not I actually passed or not. Um, I also hear that it's a holiday in the United States of America. So all the peeps from there, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Uh, Make sure you're safe. Make sure you have fun, but practice fun safely and all that jazz. I love you guys. And I'll see you very soon. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.